Before I start, thank you for listening. This is the Ignition Podcast. Get ready to fuel your passion for cars and motorsport every Monday and Thursday. We bring you stories, valuable career tips and tricks that will help you navigate the automotive world. So don't miss out. Follow the Ignition Podcast now and join the drive towards becoming the number one automotive podcast worldwide. Let's embark on this thrilling journey together. Enjoy the episode. Being able to speak to amazing people and release their conversations every week is such a pleasure. And it means so much to me that people like you get to listen to this every week. And the fact that you're continuing to listen means even more. But I wanted to ask for a bit more support. I've started a Buy Me A Coffee. You can go onto the link down in the show notes below, click and donate as little or as much as you'd like. It would help me produce better content, keep the editing up, and just in general have better conversations. I can travel further and bring you better guests. If this sounds like something you'd like to help me with, the link will be in the show notes below. Again, thank you so much for listening. It's enough already. And so enjoy this episode. Hi, I'm Stephanie and I study mechanical engineering or like industrial engineering and people were expecting, oh wow, you don't look like that. I'm here to have the conversation with you to show you that right now there is no certain way of how a female engineer looks like. She can be blonde, she can be tall, she can be small, she can be from whatever gender, from whatever every culture it needs. On Instagram, you see me driving a Porsche and Mercedes and a BMW, and um, you might think that I have one of those supercars in front of my apartment. There was nothing like um, a rich father or a rich mother in the back who was supportive. It has been self-made, and that's really, really inspiring for myself. Are there any courses you can recommend? What kind of study program should I choose? And um, yeah, that's a question that um, gets me up every morning because the answer is... Stephanie, uh, why is what you do important to you? So um, what am I doing first? Um, I'm a car content creator. So I use social media to post about my love for cars. And on top of that, also to talk about my PhD journey and um, yeah, all in the frame of empower, educate and inspire. So I'm not only there to um, inspire about um, cars and about the journey in the automotive industry, but for me, it's really important to show the female engineer's perspective on car related topics. So basically um, it got really important for me or like also the motivation to start with this channel and to start with this content is because Mm. I saw a shortage or like a lack of female engineers perspective when it comes to marketing about cars and social media therefore is a powerful platform of course to start and to get like a big audience from the beginning on and for me it's really important to break stereotypes um, to create a new modern role picture of how a female engineer look like and um, yeah all about the topics of cars related to my journey and my passion um, that's important to me yeah and speaking about cars and, and passion your your first passion is fashion isn't it it's difficult to say that there's a ranking um, let's say i started with fashion because it was or always around me i'm really fashionable i try to um, look out for a cool style um, the moment i leave i leave the house and then engineering developed um, because of my university. 
So I jumped into industrial engineering during my bachelor. So um, it, it came on top, but there isn't quite a ranking, but fashion was first, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just interesting, because how, how did you go from, you know, having a love for fashion to going, actually, you know, I'd quite like to work with cars. How did that transition happen? Like, where was the, I don't know, spark in that, in that sense? So when I was younger, um, that's a really good question. Um, by the way, when I was younger, I was really into fashion because I tried a little bit of modeling. So around mm. the age of 16 or 17, I did a few jobs and I thought maybe modeling would be a thing for me. So I also applied for competitions and I went to the Berlin Fashion Week. I connected with a lot of people and I thought that maybe one day after school, I would study fashion. And then mm. my parents, um, they, they jumped into this and they cut it and told me, okay, fashion is really nice. Let's leave it as a hobby, but we won't pay um, this private fashion school for you. So you have to go to a public school as everybody else. And um, yeah, maybe if you put money aside, you can afford it on your own. But you, first of all, fashion is your hobby and look for something that pays off your, um, your education later. So um, there was also no, no other, <laughs> l l let's say um, I got creative and then I um, yeah, thought about using my mathematics skills to do something a little bit more with physics, engineering, um, economy, economics, and basically industrial engineering was the mix out of it. It was a mix of engineering, but also economics, um, electrical engineering, programming and all around. And that what that has been like the first touch point with the automotive industry because of my study background and the topics we were covering over the years. And then I had my first internship at Audi. And um, yeah, that has been the beginning when I was working in the production line um, in the assembly for um, the powertrain. I realized that I have no idea about what I'm doing here at the moment. There are so many question marks in my head, but I'm really, really interested in that those beautiful objects next to me who pass by every 90 seconds um, are out there on the street. And um, yeah, I want to dive more. I want to dive deeper into that. But um, that's that's how it evolved, honestly, like the, the transition from fashion back in school and then the engineering automotive part, um, thanks to university. Yeah, no, I remember my first, you know, exposure to actually working with cars. I did an internship, and it was a it was a classic car restoration place, and you know, you hear them start up for the first oh, time. So you, cool. you, it's pretty, and you speak to like, you speak to the engineers and the mechanics behind the cars, and and they really like they they they, they love it. It's fantastic, and I think that's brilliant. Like, I can see why the you know working at Audi an internship would would be the same for you. you know you see these cars flying past you see the powertrains flying past and it must give you a real sense of like you know awe if anything yeah yes yeah, so what part of um what part of working with Audi you know did you did you find interesting was that was what was about that company that made you actually go okay cool I'd like to do this that that's a good question so for me it has been the hands-on experience so I wasn't only there sitting on my desk, um, creating like some nice PowerPoint slides or like Excel sheets. I was part of the assembly team and I was um, producing cars. 
So I was there standing in the production line and um, I assembled them on my own. First of, call, first of all, mm -hmm. with a colleague, um, with a team colleague. And then after I got into the work, um, I did it on my own. And like the hands-on experience I was missing from university um, was so fulfilling for me that at the end of the day, I exactly knew that I now built maybe like 80 cars or like 80 powertrains. Like it has been only like small, small components. But for me, it felt like um, I did something today. So it has been so, so fulfilling for the day um, to get this hands-on experience. And basically that's also something I can always give as an advice, really work on the things like really take um, the tool, take the equipment and try to understand the objective by working by maybe um, construction it or like deconstruction it or like assembling it. That has been um, really eye opening for me. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of speaking of cars, what was your what was your first car? What was the first thing you bought when you decided to start? So um, I, I get that question quite often on, on IG because um, on Instagram you see me driving a Porsche and Mercedes and a mm. BMW and um, you might think that I have one of those supercars um, in front of my apartment but I still have the car I got um, when I was 18. It's a VW Polo from the year of 2007 so the car is so reliable and mm. um, it just does a job. So there was no reason for me to upgrade it already because I'm, I'm still a PhD student. So it still fits to the lifestyle I represent at the moment. So um, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm really connected to this car and I'm, I'm, still, I'm still in love. It's really reliable. It's my old body. And mm. um, yeah. I still have it. Yeah, no, it's interesting because like my first car was a Renault Clio, and um, it's, it's that type of car, isn't it, that you get, yeah. gets you around, does the job. You know, it's just really reliable. Well, so it was really reliable till, till it broke on me because it's it's French. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we're, we're going from you know you know your first car stuff, um, and and moving you know moving actually you know, yeah. once you finish your degree, what was um. What was that like? What was the, you know, getting that piece of paper and going, right, cool, now it's now it's time to get like a you know, next step. So um, I finished um, last year, 2022, um, with a double master in mechanical engineering and industrial engineering. And for me, the whole journey has been uh, challenging. So it has been up and down. So of course, COVID hit, hit mm. us all. So also the mentally part, the men, like the mental part was quite strong and um, present. So the whole journey with COVID, um, learning and distance and not being with family and friends all the time, but still having, having your, your goal in front of you of finishing this degree, um, it wasn't easy, honestly, it, mm. um, it really wasn't. But the moment I was walking down the aisle and um, got my, my papers and my certificates, um, there was some kind of relief, but I couldn't um, realize it at the moment. So for me, the whole event was like just a snip and mm. um, then it was over. 
but the process after started maybe a week a week after or two weeks after when I was then in Portugal because I immediately went on vacation <laughs> to get out of nice. this yeah. working <laughs> bubble and university bubble. And then when I was laying at the beach, um, finally reading again a book that has nothing to do with my thesis. <laughs> so just for enjoyment. Mm. And then being being alone around me. And then I realized, okay, you, you're done now. Um, you got it. And I think that was like the first step. And then weeks over weeks, I realized more often. And I also I also cried once. Um, there were like tears mm. of happiness, to be honest. Um, just to say, wow, we, we did this and um, let's see what comes next. But we, we really did this. Yeah, it's like a real sense of accomplishment, isn't there, I guess, for that. And they're going, actually, yeah, no, cool. I've spent, you know, I spent time Definitely. and effort and knowledge and built it up. That's, I mean, that's great advice for, you know, anyone that's doing a degree subject, you know, is that, you know, you get to the end, you've actually achieved something, don't feel like you haven't because you have, you know, it might just feel like four years have gone past, but actually you've, you know, you, you, you've got the, piece of paper or whatever it is to say that you know congrats you've, you've made it and, and taking time to celebrate that as well um, is there any other yeah. advice you'd give to yeah. to people in a in a university subject that you know that you've learned it's okay to talk right well Tacona is a brand that's changing mental health awareness I have always been one that's found it hard to talk and that my feelings well they weren't exactly best spoken once I found Tacona and learned more about what Lewis does I was amazed that a clothing brand is making people aware just with one simple logo. If you see a Tacona t-shirt, a shirt, a cap, a hat, a sticker, whatever it is, you know that person knows it's okay to talk. And because they want to help spread the message, Tacona is giving us 10% off. If you listen to this podcast, in the show notes below will be a link to the website. And if you use code EMISSION10, you get 10% off store-wide products. So, enjoy, and enjoy the rest of the episode. Um... I think about that. Um, first of all, follow your um, instincts and follow your passion, um, especially if you're a curious person, because I get a lot of questions and DMs um, when I talk about my PhD journey on social media. Um, are there any courses you can recommend? Um, what kind of study program should I choose? Um, what should I choose now? So later on, I will have an easy one to find a job. And I always tell them, um, don't listen to those statistics or don't listen to those HR guys who hire you maybe because you have a nice nice um, degree or a nice name on a piece of paper. Do whatever you think right now um, feels good to you. So really focus your energy on that what interests you and pursue that and especially if you're still in bachelor and there is like a huge portfolio of study programs and courses you can take do them all and maybe do them more often because um, even if you fail and you you think you're still interested in that do this again because right now is the time you can really build your knowledge skill portfolio and your portfolio of interest where you discovered what I like and what I don't like. And that's much more important than to just have on a piece of paper, I studied automotive engineering at this and that university, Ivy League or whatever. It's more important what kind of skill set you personally got out of this university program. And that's maybe something that 
is also a mindset perspective because I always say that um, companies, they shouldn't hire for skills, they should hire for attitude because you can always mm. teach skills. So really focus on what interests you and also what now defines you as a person because um, that's that's even more important and also bring more value to yourself and then you also know where your skill set is and you know, you, you know yourself really well and that's where you should focus also on um, during university because it's the best time you can fail as often as you want. We are still young. I'm, I'm also still young. So we can try an error. We could start with automotive engineering. If we don't like it, we jump to mechanical engineering or we do anything else. So really just find out what interests you and pursue that and put your energy into that. Um, that really got me here where I am right now. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to say to be, you know, not rushing things like you say, and you know, doing what you're passionate about, and you know, so that there's not you're not stuck in that. If you don't enjoy it, you can. Like you said it's possible to to switch okay. and move. You know, you're not stuck in a you know, you're not stuck in a box. You don't have to just be this one thing because you've gone to university for this one thing. No, it's brilliant. Um, yeah. Stephanie, when when you moved on from university, and you you're looking at the big world. Why did you choose Mercedes as a place to further your education as well? That's, um, again, again, a, a really thoughtful question. Um, so maybe about the background. Uh, when I finished, I told you I traveled, um, but I traveled mm. for a long time. So in total of six months, I took a break. Um, I got a scholarship when I was still at university and I took the money out of my scholarship program and just spent it all on experience. And I, I didn't regret it. So I yeah. did a lot of traveling um, around Europe. And for me at that time, I really asked myself what I want to do next. And especially with the skill set of an engineer and um, I finished quite well. Um, so I thought, okay, the world is open um, for me. I'm, I'm still young. Um, I finished at the age of 25. So whatever I do next, um, this is not where I have to stay. So I can choose um, something that brings especially a lot of knowledge to me and develops myself and maybe also get me out of my comfort zone again, because mm -hmm. I love getting out of my comfort zone. And I looked around on different websites of automotive companies, but also in consulting um, around tech. Um, my it, it has been a wide range, to be honest. And then um, for me, Stuttgart was never a city I could see myself in. Um, I was traveling here, like I was traveling to Stuttgart a couple of times for um, concerts and also to visit the museums. But mm. I always told myself Stuttgart is just for working. Um, I want to be in an environment where they're like fancy people, um, a lot of clubs, nice bars, coffee places all around town where the party is happening where you also have a good platform for networking and just you get entertained the moment you get out of your house and Stuttgart is definitely not the place for that. So um, the thing what really got me to the company was Mercedes offered me um, the possibility to get out of my comfort zone because the mm. position was published for the department global lean management. So the challenge lays in that you have the comp like the factories or like the the production sites all around the globe they communicate with each other in an effective way 
but how can they share um, their experience, their knowledge in, in the best and most efficient way? So the, the, the first thing was best practice sharing between plans. Can you optimize this? And can you also help the different plans with our knowledge of lean management? So it's all about efficiency um, to improve their production processes. So for me, it has been the challenge of first, we have different cultures that come together on a table and have the same goal, but with a different background. Secondly, of course, um, English. English is right now on our daily um, agenda. So improving my English skills has been on top of that. And third, of course, having immense um, projects around because we right now know all the automotive industry is right now changing to a mobility industry. And on top of that, mm. we have the thing with the sustainability on top. So everything has to be electric only. And these are like a lot of challenges around every automotive company. And I thought, wow, imagine you're in the middle of the storm and then you have to communicate between the different plants. And in every country, the political situation is a different one. And also the objective is a different one. And this has been all in all a really nice um, environment for me to grow again, to get um, a better skill set and to get out of my comfort zone and combined with the possibility to do a PhD, to end this three-year program with a doctor in engineering mm. has been the top. So it is the, it's really the mix of giving a young person the possibility to dive into really complex topics on a high management level. And on top of that, giving something back to this young person by the possibility or like the opportunity to write a thesis while working and yeah this and mix, um yeah got me to the company yeah and why is why is your comfort zone you mentioned that a couple of times why is, why is getting out of your comfort zone important for you like what was that what does that do for you i have the feeling that the the moment i get off my comfort zone um i grow and i have the feeling that i change so i don't want to take like the easy life of course the easy life would be always just to do whatever um, is in front of you. So the moment you don't create your life, the life will be created for you. The moment you don't create a routine, the routine would, will be given to you. So you can either be part of everything else here around you, like let's say the system, the environment, the company, and mm -hmm. just go with the flow, or you just take the path next to it, the more difficult one, the one with the up and downs, the one where you find out what you really want in life, um, what you can do and what you can't do, where your limits are, maybe you overcome those limits and whatever you can't do at the moment, maybe you can do it tomorrow because you decide um, you will give it a try. And that's, that's everything I consider as getting out of your comfort zone, like not taking the easy way. Mm. And is this something you've always had with you? Is it something like you, you, you know, you've grown up like, or is it something that, you know, you've, you've learned as a result of your, your path so far? I think um, you're right. Um, the first thing about I grew up with it a little bit because my mom, um, she's a single mom, single raised mom. So she came from Africa um, at that time with nothing then um, except 
the dream of creating a life in Germany um, mm. with education. So she came here to study and um, medicine, by the way, but she didn't finish. And um, for her, or like in my eyes, she's an amazing role model because she jumped out of her comfort zone. She left her family and friends behind in Africa to come to Germany because she had a dream, she had a vision and therefore worked for it. And the same also for my dad. My dad is also self, self-employed. He didn't finish university because he also had the feeling I don't think that university is um, something for me. I'm a more creative person. I love to work with people. I don't want to have the theory behind it. I want to be in practice and um, have like trial and error. So both of my parents, they played a big part of it because they both don't take the easy way. And it's not always mm. easy. Like um, the moment you say, I want to do this, I want to be self-employed, it doesn't work like that, of course. And having the trust in yourself and the courage to just try it, um, that also gives me hope that um, I can step out of my comfort zone. And whatever happens, it's either a win or it's a lesson. Yeah. And what would be your, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone now? Like, would it be working, you know, in F1? Would it be working with a different car company? Like, what would be the next step for Stephanie, you know, going forward? Uh, I, I love I love your questions. Um, they really make me think about uh, my 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 inner values and my beliefs. Um, so at the moment, um, getting out of my comfort zone as a next step would be moving out of Germany. Um, so I think the next step would be really to um, live in another country, not only in another city. I lived in Paris for um for my semester abroad and it has been a really really um great time and the people i met over there they had the same mindset and i really um felt home like i also felt home in london when i was there one year ago mm. so i could see myself again around germany but definitely in a different country yeah and in terms of like you know the automotive route, what is you know do you what are you working on in Mercedes that might interest the people listening? Is there anything any cool projects you've got going on as well? Mm. So what I do in my everyday life is I try to figure out um, how will we produce cars in the future, and the innovative way is that I also question the current assembly method. So right now we have a, a like a value chain a like traditional production line so everything is produced in in a line every car comes behind another and i ask myself if this is at the moment and maybe also in the future right now still the most efficient way to produce cars who are super high individual and also with the sloppy um, supply chain in the background and the volatile market around um, this globe so I try to develop the future of the electric vehicle assembly from the layout planning to technology input and also the way the car will go through production. And um, yeah, that's a question that um, gets me up every morning because the answer is, is not near. Um, yeah. it's, it's still on the going, but that's, um, that's what my thesis is about. And so do you think that, you know, electric cars are going to be the future or would you, is, is it something you see like us all going, converting from internal combustion to electric? 
So my, my heart um, beats a lot for um, the internal combustion um, because I studied it. So the whole program was about how an engine works and now talking about electric, electric vehicles is um, something for me. It has a heart. Of course, the car has a heart, but the heart is a computer. So the whole transition changed from being the technology um, the engineering technology from now being the electrical um, technology or like the, the AI, the programming brain of the cars. So for me, um, it's, it's not clear, honestly, in my opinion, where, um, where we will go with this technology. I think right now, also because of the political situation, it's a good way to start evolving um, electric vehicles and mm. to optimize the technology behind and especially to look at the whole value chain also from the battery production till waste management and maybe recycling. Um, but I also think that maybe oxygen um, and more sustainable fuels um, could be the future so in my opinion there would be or there will be a mix of different um, technology forms on the street so next to the electric vehicle there will be hydrogen cars there will be um or not oxygen hydrogen sorry <laughs> and there will be hydrogen cars and there will be a car with like another sustainable um fuel and uh, maybe a fourth technology um I think it will be a mix and especially because of the customer, not because of what the company produced, but what the cost, what the customer wants. Um, the customer is quite individual and people are willing to pay a specific price to also get, get their, um, individual solution. Um, so therefore there will be a mix of technology on the street, honestly. Yeah, no, I can see you see those, um, those Tesla electric trucks can only go 300 miles, but then you look at a traditional, you know, a traditional heavy vehicle travels 12,000 miles or 1200 miles, even on a, you know, on a conventional fuel. Yeah. And it's, yeah, there's, like you say, there's different fuels for different uses. And like you say, it's a mobility race at this point and everyone's going to be taking their version of mob mobility exactly. I guess, as well. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and Stephanie, talking about the, Absolutely the industry, yeah, the industry you're in now, um, something that I know you're quite passionate about talking about sort of the stereotypes and you know, you being a female engineer in, in the workplace can you can you speak to me on your experience with that so far yeah yeah my, my experience um on that topic is of course individual so subjective um for me what um what, what i what i realize not not every day but especially when i went um on this journey and becoming a mechanical and industrial engineer, I realized that um, people didn't expect it. So it really starts with the way I introduce myself as, hi, I'm Stephanie, and I study mechanical engineering or like industrial engineering, and people were expecting, oh, wow, you don't look like that. And when I was younger, I didn't question. I was like, okay, but yeah, I am an engineer or I'm becoming an engineer. And now I ask those people, but why? How do you think a female engineer looked like? And of course, they're also a little bit, um, I don't feel comfortable to talk about because it's their own um, stereotypes they have in their minds. But 
I'm always looking to get the conversation going and to exchange um, each other's perspectives on this topic. So they told me, I thought that engineers, they won't, won't look as stylish or they, they have glasses on or they only have um, like branded company clothes from like manufacturing companies and um, they, they don't look visually appealing. And that really confronts me because um, it's, it's at the same time, of course, a compliment. Um, but at the other side, I'm like, okay, wow. So because I'm a female engineer, I should dress in a certain way or did we dress in a certain way in the past? I don't know. I'm, I'm only 26 years old, so I don't know how the, the image also maybe evolved. But that's like the first thing. So how you look like. And then the second thing mm. is um, proving your knowledge skills. So I have the feeling the moment I'm in a conversation where it's about the technical part that um, because we are women, we have to prove ourselves um, more offensive that we also have the knowledge. So that is something I, um, I have the feeling people, they expect, of course, that when I'm an engineer, I can talk about engineering stuff. That because I'm a female, they want me to really show it, to really, um, th they ask me like funny questions, like, oh, this is like an engine with V8. So V8 means you have eight cylinders. Do you know that? I'm like, yeah, sure. So these are like some, some questions, some like comments. I realized that people want me to really prove my skills that I can sit on the same table with them. And that was also a little bit front fronting, but over time I got a little bit more so self-confident about these topics and yeah. I'm also more sensitive. And the moment I realized that I'm now confronted with some kind of stereotype, I just, um, yeah, get friendly or like I say the friendly reminder, Hey, um, what's your opinion about that? Let's maybe have a discussion, talk about this and, um, break, break the stereotype. Um, picture you have and um, maybe in the future it has been like that because in the future the role model pictures of course they were completely different um, it is it is still it is a fact that women were there to take care of the household and the children and especially during war the men were out there fighting for the country and the women has been inside just preparing mentally um, but also taking care of the household, this has been a really strict um, separation and from, from this history. And it's always important to acknowledge history. Certain images grew. And of course, the ability for women to now study whatever they want and to have access to education all around the globe. These were also things they evolved. So I can't blame mm. everybody or like I can't, I can't blame anybody because of the, the history behind. So basically it's not for me to just um, say, hey, you have like this old role model of how female engineers look like, how they behave, whatever. It grew because of history, but I'm here to have the conversation with you and um, yeah, to show you that Right now, there is no certain way of how a female engineer looks like. She can be blonde, she can be tall, she can be small, she can be from whatever gender, from whatever ever culture it needs. Um, it's just important that we acknowledge what 
the way the person is and that's it <laughs> if i made it clear yeah so con confronting the people yeah. that you know may not have the same view not, may not have the same view as you but you, know, you rightly so because you know it's not 20 years ago is it we're not we're not still living you know as like you say we're not still in a world where women work at home and, and, and the men go off and do the job and come back and the women provides it's not it's not like that now people have their own ideas and own views of what you know their life looks like and therefore like you say the landscape changes the industry ch should change along with it if you're you know if you've got an engineering degree exactly. as much as the guy to your left has an engineering degree you know you, you, you you've done the same course and it sounds like you know well, you've got yeah. two degrees clearly you're smarter than the guy to your left if he's only got one but what do you think needs to change? Do you say there's conversations about, you know, confronting those people like, you know, for the women listening to this, because I was very you know, conscious about doing a podcast in this space and not having enough female guests. And so what would you say is, you know, the, the problem, well, not problem, but things for women to do that would, you know, make it easier for them? I think the first step always when it comes to prejudices and stereotypes is um, to get the conversation going. So the moment um, you talk with somebody and you have the feeling, oh, maybe they have a specific image in their head, just um, ask for them, hey, can you share your experience with me? Why do you act in a certain way? Why maybe you have this, this type of image in your head? It's just important to acknowledge that everybody has individual experience and to really just talk to each other. And that's always like the first um, step towards anything when it comes to prejudices talk and exchange each other opinions on on specific topics and of course to all women out there be confident about who you are confident about knowledge skill set you don't have to prove anything to anyone you can also just stay in the conversation in silent um, it's not about that you always have to to like address the elephant in the room um, when there is a conversation ongoing you don't feel comfortable about. It's just about the confidence, the moment you think, oh, I think that there is like a specific stereotype right now um, in the conversation. Maybe I could address that and tell about my experience and show them that um, maybe that's an old image they have. But the first step is always have the conversation, talk about your own experience, listen to somebody who is in front of you and to also acknowledge their experience. And then um, that's the first step into the, into the right direction. Yeah. And, you know, obviously having this conversation is something you're passionate about. And it's probably, I don't know if it's, if it's the reason why you started content creating. And, you know, why did you choose, you know, what was it that you chose about, you know, empowering, educating, inspiring people? What made you want to, you know, pick up a camera and share the experience? Uh, what made me doing it was um, a specific momentum. So at that time, it has been March. I was in Düsseldorf, it's a city here in Germany, for a business trip. And after a really intense management workshop over there, I was in my hotel room and I was watching TV in the background and I was scrolling on my phone. And um, because of my journey being a female engineer and also like getting through bachelor, master, stuff like that, I experienced a lot. And I was always there to really just talk about my story and to show them how my journey was. And I was scrolling on Instagram, of course, um, after a 
yeah, insightful, but also um, a stressful day. And then I saw one of the craziest events out there is the Porsche ice drifting event in Lapland, Finland, um, where you drift or you learn drifting on the ice mm. in a Porsche. So that's one of the craziest events. And I saw that one of um, fe like one of those female influencers um, in the fashion and beauty scene got invited over there. And I was impressed. I was like, wow, that's impressive. Like usually on those events, because um, my, my ex-boyfriend went there with his father, um, you have a lot of men coming, coming, coming up, um, like coming around um, in Finland for the ice drifting. And this time there was also a woman um, sitting, sitting on the table and I was impressed. And I thought it's really cool that they um, picked somebody from the fashion and beauty scene. And what about the engineering scene? What about female who are really in, in STEM? So I, I always, I'm, I'm not someone who criticize. I'm always there to look for a solution. So I, hmm. I was honest to myself and I um, I thought, Stephanie, um, you're right now in Stuttgart living in the mecca of cars. You are a female engineer. You didn't take the easy road to get there. It hasn't been always clear for you what you want and where your passion is. But right now, you are sure that you're doing the right thing with this mechanical engineering PhD program at Mercedes. Why don't you represent women in STEM over there at those marketing car events or like especially in the automotive industry and in marketing. And that has been like the momentum where I thought, I think I will do this because I, I always had fun with my phone. I really like to shoot pictures, record little videos. I have the eye for the aesthetic, for the design. Um, I always know how I want, how I want to see things and picture them. And um, so the phone has been already with me. And that's the only thing you need to start creating content, mm -hmm. your is phone. And I thought maybe one day I will be able to show the female engineer's perspective on car-related topics and to represent females who like women who are into cars with an engineering background. Because usually I don't have anything to do with marketing in my daily life at Mercedes. I don't have any touch point with marketing and especially not in my private life. So that would be also a challenge for me to get into marketing, to understand how marketing works and um, to merge the engineering part of myself with the, I have the eye for the aesthetic part um, of my, of myself and with the marketing side. And I think this portfolio is a niche. It's something that um, hasn't been played on the internet because right now when you talk about female or like female car content creators, they usually don't have the engineering background. They're really good mm -hmm. in presenting cars. They're really good in cutting. I don't want to compare myself with them, of course. They're really, really good in what they're doing. When it comes to the technology, uh, technology background and it comes to the engineering part, of course, I want to present a car on my IG channel, but I also want to talk about the car, about the construction, about... Um, the engine, about the technology behind the whole engineering side, um, then I also can add some value. And I think that's something that hasn't been played yet, um, being a car content creator to 
know a lot about the cars, but also the way we present cars. And um, yeah, I thought that would be also, again, one thing I could do to get out of my comfort zone to jump into marketing mm. and to get this channel started. That's great. I think you're clearly doing a good job because it's, uh, you know, would you, when did you start? Is it 11th April? I think I scrolled down to your Instagram feed and that was the first one was then. So yeah. it's, not, it's not been long. It's not been long. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, why the, why the Porsche no. as well? Because that is the first, that is the first photo. Why, why Porsche as a brand to help you? So um, Porsche has a strong presence in the automotive industry, just because of the history, first of all, but because the car is iconic and the car design, the shape is also really iconic. You can recognize Porsche also during night, just because of the iconic shape um, of the 911. And for me, when I started, I had a dream and Porsche has the vision or like also in um, their new strategy portfolio, it has been also written driven by dreams and combined with the fact that they're really iconic. I thought when I could um, get Porsche to work with me, to co cooperate with me at the beginning, then that would be an immense signal to all the brands out there that what I'm doing, like representing the female engineer's perspective in marketing and having the female empowerment in the automotive industry is a good thing and the right thing and important as well. So what mm -hmm. I did um, and also how the first pictures came to my channel um, at that time, I had 150, 200 followers and I prepared a pitch together with my friend who is into digital marketing. And we walked into the Porsche dealership in my hometown in Nuremberg. And um, we had the luck to meet the marketing manager of the dealership and to have a little chat with him. And we pitched the vision of doing marketing out of a female engineer's perspective and therefore ask him to give us a car to create content with. So, of course, only to um, to borrow a car. So, um, yeah, he was he was impressed and he told us, you're absolutely right. Right now, it's really important to also address women with our marketing and mm. um, because things ha have changed over time. And he was he was so open minded and really put trust in our vision that he gave us a car the same day. And it has been um, like the Porsche Boxster model, um, the 718 25 years edition. And that has been one of the first cars I drove or it has been the first car. And now it comes up on my channel from time to time because I still have a lot of content about it. And that's how the yeah cooperation began basically with this car. And then I got another one, like the racer yellow 911 Cabrio for another um, content day. And from that moment on, I had the feeling that um, Porsche understand or un still understands uh, the vision I have, the vision of female empowerment about um, getting more the female perspective on car related topics and empowering this and we share both the vision of following our dreams and that has been the beginning. That's great. Um, have you ever shared this um, template with anyone, this, this, this marketing pitch? Has it ever gone out into the public? Have you ever shown anyone? Um, no, not yet, no. 
Um, I think challenge. I still have it on on my notes um, on my iPhone. Um, and it has been like maybe my part was around 30 seconds and my friend's part was around 30 seconds. And we were just like brainstorming on our phones and I wrote this mm. down in my in my iPhone and notes, but nobody has seen it yet. Yeah, no, be just, I'm interested at it's personal, <laughs> what it looked like and what it said. Um, but yeah, obviously it's in German, so I don't, I don't know if I'd be able to read it. Um, but yeah, exactly, um, it's in German, but I can I can give you the insight that um, the idea behind everything should be when it comes to cold outreach because it is cold outreach what we have been doing. Mm to create a win-win situation, a situation that the opposite can't deny um, because they would lose. That's that's the sense of a win-win situation. Yeah. So um, that's how that's how you, you create a sales pitch, basically. Yeah, cool, that's great. Um, and you know, speaking of you know inspiring, educating, and empowering people, um, Stephanie, I mean, who in your life does that for you? Who are the people that inspire you? Who are the people that educate you? Who are the people that empower you? So for me, that's, um, it's a mix of family and friends. Um, I already talked about my parents, that both my mom and my dad, they're really different and in both ways unique and um, really empowering because they follow their own way and mm -hmm. everybody just based because on their own skill set. There was nothing like um, a rich father or rich mother in the back who was supportive. It has been self-made and that's really, really inspiring for myself um, to know that I can rely on my abilities and on my dreams. And then also my friends, because my friends, they're all working in different industries. They don't have anything to do with cars and they're in business and fashion, in sales, in purchasing. They're, it's a mm. crazy variety. And for me, that's really, really inspiring because um, they all have a different background from the experience but we have the same mindset so the moment we sit together maybe only to have like a coffee for 30 minutes or to have a quick phone call because most of my friends they live abroad only a few live in yeah. germany um they always inspire me because the way how they see life how they approach uh, to their objectives what they're doing at the moment either it's like resting or running or pursuing another project, it's really, really impressive to see that everybody of my friends follows their own journey and their, their own path, and they're all doing amazing. And um, yeah, being surrounded by, by people like them um, gets me up every morning. Yeah, I was going to say, it must be great to have that, you know, that, those people as your friends, the people that are doing maybe, you know, have the same goals as you, but not necessarily in the same industry. And how that kind of works as a you know motivation exactly. for you as well yeah yeah um and stephanie we're sort of coming towards the end of the podcast and there are five questions that i'd like to end, ask at the end um these have changed slightly but i'm sure yeah be that hard um the first one is you know what is your ultimate three car garage so um the ultimate three car garage um for me would be a blend of timeless elegance um high and high performance let's say like that so I would choose, um, first of all, the Porsche 993 Cabrio. Then second, um, it would be a G-Class. 
for off-road adventures because I want to have a big family. So the G-Class is therefore the perfect car. And the third one, um, it's a funny one, but it would be, I think, a two-seater, like a smart. It's really practical because you always find a parking slot. So, um, And if you could take one car on any road or track, <clears throat> but you can it once, where would you go and what would you take? So if I had the chance um, to drive one car on any road, um, I would pick the new 911 ST 60-year edition. Um, mm. It has a sleek design, but especially it's a road car designed for the roads, but it has the powerful engine of a 911 GT3 RS, um, but designed for the roads. So the design is not so aggressive, but still the performance is immense. I think we have around 525 um, horsepower and um, the road track would be the Nordschleife. Um, that's the really famous um, track here in Germany with, yeah, cool curves and a lot of hair spins. So I would definitely would this, I would definitely take this car for this road. Yes. Yeah. Have you, have you ever been to, have you driven the track itself or the road even because it's, it's whole road? No, it? it's, it's yeah. still on my, it's still on my bucket list. Um, to yeah to get to get there on a road track and um to learn drifting to learn driving um especially with those specific conditions and also um maybe to learn drifting on the ice it's um still on my bucket list what do you think your purpose is you know within your career i think exactly um my my purpose right now um at the moment i feel really right um what i'm doing um at the moment with the content creation and trying to be a role model um to empower um young women um to pursue their passions um to develop their passions and to um yeah modern modernize um, the automotive industry and break stereotypes and um, yeah, get, get everything modern and attractive and empower everybody along this journey. Yeah. Um, and what, what advice would you give to, I don't know, maybe a 16, 17 year old Stephanie, you know, in life, what would, what would you say to, what would you say to her? Um, I would say to her, um, invest in yourself um do whatever feels right at the moment um invest in yourself when it comes to education when it comes to um nice evenings with friends um experiences abroad traveling um also trying different kind of side jobs um to really get everything at that young age um and to yeah to be aware of failing and to be to be also happy to fail because then that's the moment you learn something for your life. And um, yeah, basically that's it. Fantastic. And then the last one is what do you love most about cars? Um, what I love most about cars is their ability to embody um, a perfect fusion of engineering and design. So the design, performance, um, and the sheer joy of driving um, create a unique and exhilarating experience. So cars, they have the power to evoke emotions. Um, they tell stories. 
and they're just more than just a mode of transportation. Mm. Yeah. I think my, one of my favorite quotes is they, you know, they have the power to move us physically and emotionally. And I think that's very, yeah, you know, very transcendent. Yeah. I think it was a word. But yeah. Well, Stephanie, thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure to learn exactly. more about, you know, your career, Andrew, you know, where you've come from. So thank you. It has been my pleasure, honestly, like time, time flew by. Um, and also the storytelling behind the conversation, how you guided me through this um, first podcast episode of mine has been amazing. It has been a lot of fun, honestly. Thank you to each and everyone who watches, listens and shares this podcast. Without you and your support, we wouldn't have made it into the top 15 best car podcasts to listen to worldwide. So if you haven't already, please rate the podcast on this app. And if you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts, give it a review and let me know what you think. Again, thank you. And without your continued support, I wouldn't still be doing this. Now, back to past me.